Interested in energetics, intention, alignment, integrity, and ethics? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Sacred Leadership Podcast. This space is for you to gain inspiration, wisdom, and knowledge from exceptional leaders to support you in your leadership journey. I'm your host, Amber Gordon, trained therapist and intention and alignment coach here to ask all the deep questions to get the raw truths. Settle in, take a breath, set your intention for what you're open to receiving from this episode, because it is time to drop in. On today's show, we are dropping in with Elisa Spring, who I have had the honor of working with as a coach. I first connected with Elisa after her husband, Trevor, and I worked together. Since then, we have referred clients to one another and given support to each other, both professionally and personally. I find Elisa to be such an inspiration, and I'm really looking forward to what comes through today. To share a bit with you all about Elisa, she is an intimacy midwife, assisting folks in enhancing their communication skills and expanding their self-expression. Her process focuses on building the capacity for experiencing sensation, pleasure, intimacy, and deep states of connection. She does this by learning to honor and liberate their bodies and their sexuality. She is first and foremost a witch who is a sucker for a good communal fire. Her mother tongue is dance, and she looks to nature as the ultimate guide and muse. Elisa is also a proud mama of four children who age from eight years old to 22. Thank you so much for being here today, Elisa. And just to help the people get to know you a little bit in your own words, I'd love for you to just kind of introduce yourself and share a little bit about your journey and how you kind of became um, who you are today and how you started getting into the work that you do with your clients. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Amber. Yeah, it's interesting as I'm hearing you read my my intro, which of course were like words that came through long threads mm-hmm. of weaving of things and you know, this current um, moment, incarnation and expression of my work. Um, I just wanted to extend also in in the part, it like paused me in the part where you were reading about, um, you know, like I really wanted to emphasize like the support for folks to learn and remember how to get in touch with their own bodies and that it's such a big one, but like that I and no one else can do that for anyone. It's, it's, you know, kind of like, of course, and it's really important, like no one else can do that for anyone else, right? Like it's it's a very unique path for each of us to like, what does that mean for us, right? Even just like, what does that mean for each of our bodies to feel more free, um, to feel uh, safe enough to express in the ways that it wants to. And um, yeah, and so for me, I just wanted to to like uh, put that in and plug that and um and yeah, um, before I got here, just to share a little bit about my like current moment process, I was actually, um, I've had an interesting morning where I really like on the way here as I was transitioning, I'm always really tuning into th- like transition moments because I feel like those, you know, are really, really big. And that's, um, that's actually like where I work with people at is emphasizing the kind of presence that can be um, enhanced and learned essentially through tuning into transitional moments, threshold moments, things where we're going from quote unquote one state of being to another. So much happens in that space. So much happens. And if we can attune ourselves and orient ourselves towards uh, deepening an intimate relationship with that space specifically, there's a lot to learn. 
and a lot that we can um, start to feel and sense and become conscious of essentially in those transitional states. And so, um, yeah, I just got the image of like, I'm driving in my car this morning, knowing this is coming. You know, I have all my other life things, of course, going on aside from this. And I'm, I love crying in the car. It's like one of the places that it comes. It's just like such a good spot. I feel like the car is a safe space for a lot of yeah. people. I will like hang out in my car after coming back from something just to just to be like, it's just like a nice little cocoon. So I'm with you there. Totally. The containment. And I think that, you know, maybe we can riff on that um, at some point too, but the containment, like having a really solid container which again, like I'm talking about this literal expression, you know, of a story this morning, but it also so much of my work is about creating that container and what that actually means to, to know how to create a well-held container with folks, with, um, you know, one-on-one clients and also with group um, and dyads or whomever I'm working with, but just how important that is. And my experience throughout the years being in containers that were not so good, that, that really helped shape the way that I was able to, um, to learn and I'm still learning all the time of how to how to make that um even richer and um so being in the containment of my car this morning you know the right music on and I'm just streaming tears and I'm crying in my car and like there's not even big story there that I'm gonna go into but it's just like that sensation of like oh like this uh, this next um transitional time you know just this morning um and coming into this and like all the things that that really start to move through my body. And so I was in that process of crying and, you know, got home and I actually chatted with my best friend on the phone because we're always just checking in and holding that for each other and, you know, having that anchor. And so we were chatting and I was talking to her a little bit about this and, um, and other life things. And, um, and I was kind of giggling as I got out of the shower. I was like, getting excited about this and I was like you know the things that help me the most to like really really come into my self-expression to come into intimacy with me the things that you know you just read about who I am what I do that that I was like I need to dance before so that <laughs> I love it I love it I actually was like doing my little meditation that I do before I drop in with these uh, interviews and I was like, I wonder if Elisa is dancing right now. (laughs) I love it that you thought of that. Yep. And yeah. And it's not like I was dancing for a long period of time, but like, you know, music does something right. Like we all know that, like the power of music and the power of like the state change that we can get into. Right. So even just the music in the car, in my wonderful container of my my car and hearing the music that made my tears stream right like this certain thing that came on that really allowed my body to to let go to relax to feel safe to just like be in that right and then coming home I like switched my music choices after my shower and water is this great like let's all not like forget that water is this incredible conductor of alchemy right um and so for those of you who are listening and just getting to know who I am and such I live in Hawaii I've been here for 18 years um living on this incredible land um of the Kanaka the indigenous Hawaiian folks and it's been an incredible incredible place to to be and um 
And so I'm surrounded by water. I, you know, I live on an island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And it's an incredible, incredible gift to be able to get my body into the ocean on a regular basis. And I'm still, literally after 18 years, I'm still in awe of what kind of state change and sometimes like a literal full body shift after yeah. getting in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And so just as a reminder too of like, the, the water is incredible, right? Like we know at some level we remember, but just that like, I think that for me, a salt bath is like one of those things that can just like shift yeah. so much or it can be a great incubator for for movement of energy, right? Like, well, th- I mean, essentially that's what I'm saying, but I know for me too, like getting in a salt bath in the bathtub with the door shut is another wonderful container to be held in, right? Um, so yeah, I I just wanted to share a little bit about just, yeah, just my human process of, you know, preparing for this and like transitioning and um, and so the tears and the dance. And then I like felt this, yeah, just the genuine excitement that came from that, you know, from that place of, oh, this is, this will be fun to just step into a space that's mysterious. And um, so much of um, the work that I do and have come to do has always really been rooted in the mystery, to be honest. It's really been very much um, at the core of what I'm holding space for, per se, what I'm creating containers for. So kind of transition from, you know, here's the Cliff Notes version, but like transition from um, being um, um, many things throughout my life, but at, at some point really anchoring into like a movement coach, health coach persona and service. And so <clears throat> that had a lot of different expressions, but, you know, it was it was being with and in the body with folks that was my starting point really of like really anchoring in. And I, I have danced my whole life, but not so much in terms of like learning that through class format. Like I wasn't so much involved in a ton of that. Like I definitely did jazz as my primary as a kid, which I, no one would be surprised if you know me. <laughs> jazz was like the thing that I wanted to do. Um, but really it was just so much of like, I just loved moving and I would spend so much time doing that. And again, it was like another way for me to like have emotional alchemy happen. Um, I think at a young age, that's how I connected with my ancestors. And I knew that, you know, I, I, I didn't know that consciously as a child, I wasn't like, I'm connecting with my ancestors or I'm like crossing over into the other world now. But there was this sense of connection to all that is when I would dance as a child. And I would have so much joy and pleasure, like incredible amounts of joy and pleasure dancing, both in a group, like in a group setting as a child, but also by myself. Like I generated so much eros, like I really did as a child in my room with, you know, Janet Jackson or whatever was on my <laughs> um, my cassette player at the time, you know, in the 80s. So it it's like that piece really became as a movement coach. I really wanted to work with bodies. I always thought I'd be a dance teacher. That was like my ultimate as a kid. I was like, I'll be a dance teacher. And I st- still kind of joke around like that's still coming. Like I'm going to do that, you know? Um, so I've definitely kept movement as part of what I do and sort of the, um, the invitation of that, you know, of, of what that actually can really do to our consciousness like just the simplicity of that i think we often overlook it because we're looking for the psychological complexities of things so much now right you know 
um, from being a therapist and um, that has its place. And then it's also like really just getting to know and feeling what happens in our body when we start to move in new ways. So as a movement coach, I really started to feel my kind of essence and genius come through and I started to understand where um, the gifts that I had were in helping people with um, getting in touch with their body and their sensation and their limits of their body. You know, we all inherently have limits and that's okay. And to actually come into contact with those and to be like, yeah, we don't have to force your shoulder into that, into that position right now. That's okay. You know, like those kind of things where so much healing happens in those few words for a lot of bodies. Mm -hmm. So I started coming into contact. This was like about 15 years ago. I started coming into contact that I was like, huh, okay, there's like really a lot coming in for me with working with bodies in this way as a movement coach. And, you know, sometimes that just looked like a regular quote unquote personal trainer. And other times I was doing all this like emotional alchemy work with folks and like connecting them with deeper things. And I started feeling like, oh shit, this title doesn't really work for me anymore. This is really awkward. Like the, the, the stuff I'm going into with people now is not fitting in this like container, right? Like this is too small. And I actually had my, my client saying that too. Like, it's really weird to call you like my, you know, movement coach or personal trainer and we're doing like all this deep stuff. And so it was just, yeah, it was a transitional time. And it was confusing to say the least because I didn't have like a teacher that was like, okay, Lisa, you know, it'd be really convenient, you know. This is the time. This is where you do this next and you're ready for this. It was like, um, oh shit, what does this mean, right? To be seeing and feeling all of this while I'm in this, this whole life persona. I'm, I had a, a gym, um, a movement space gym. We taught meditation. We kind of like went across the board with a lot of different things with my partner. Um, and it was just like, it was really hard. I, I was like, oh yeah, I'm done with this. And so I left our business. I was like, I'm out. Like this is, I can't, this isn't me anymore. And it was a very big shift for me. And, um, but that's, I have to say, that's when like things really exploded for me. It was around that time when I like, you know, I stepped out of so much of what was temporarily through those years of the known per se. Mm -hmm. And it was like a full on step into the mystery in terms of my work in the world. Cause I had gone through many doors already of very big, very big things that I'm not even naming yet. But like I had already done a lot of that work um, with relationship and divorce and just so many things um, that were really intense for me. And the expression, of course, like our work in the world is always, if we're following a path that's very organic um, in terms of like, you know, the privilege and the ability to do that, like to really follow like, okay, where is, where am I to go now? And how am I to, um, you know, to show up and express like what's real because it's from my lived experience. It's not from me going out and trying to do, you know, trying to be like, what do you want to be when you grow up and you figure that out? It's like, I've been on a path of really like, oh, okay. What has, what's coming from the inside out? Literally mm -hmm. like what's yeah. coming from my lived experience. Right. Yeah. And so not having anyone directing that has been very much like this, this um, internal compass that had to really awaken in me in order for me to start being like, okay, <laughs> North, <laughs> you know, like North, where are you? And, and, <laughs> and stay curious. And, you know, I'm here I am 
um, still staying curious about that and letting those those incarnations of things um, continue to happen in, in the death and rebirth of where the mystery takes me, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's it's something that I I sit in awe of you because as I shared with you when we were chatting a few minutes before we started recording, one of the things that I see as such a beautiful strength of yours is that self-leadership piece where you are willing to go deep. You are willing to be curious. You are willing to be like, there is no curriculum. There's no prescribed course. There's no path. There's no nothing. But like, all I know is this one little thing. And I'm going to like lean into that and then see what comes next. And then I'm going to lean into that and then see what comes next. And you truly are somebody who has essentially like reinvented yourself, but every time it's to become more of yourself. And this is where it's so much of the work of shedding those layers that come to us through societal conditioning and constructs and, you know, intergenerational trauma or just kind of what's been handed down to us through our physiology and our biology and being willing to examine them to figure out like, okay, yeah, this was given to me, or this is maybe something that came with like my meat suit, but like, does this actually fit for me and how I want to show up and the work that I feel like I am called to do in this lifetime and being unafraid and slightly unapologetic about being willing to be like, yep, nope, I'm not a this anymore. I I don't know what I am now, but I know yeah. I'm not a this. And so I'm just yeah. going to kind of keep going until I find the pieces that fit and I'm going to plug them in and then see how long I'm meant to play with those for. And then maybe I keep them, maybe I don't. But a lot of people approach that type of work or just even that level of curiosity with so much fear. Like it literally causes people just like, like they just can't even feel like they're allowed to breathe into this concept of like, let's be curious. As children, we're it's so easy for us to be curious. But then as adults, it's like this you're not allowed type of thing yeah. where that really seems like it was never really quite a part of your conditioning or if it was, it was something that you were able to work through so that you could continue on this path. Because I, I lovingly like very much I'm like, I wonder what version of Elisa I'm going to talk to today. <laughs> like what what's going on? Like I. I don't know. I don't know. It's really cool. It's it's like, you know, being in connection with 25 different people because there's just so many versions of you. And I exactly love it. What, I love this is it. Exactly what Trevor says too about me, like being being with me for, you know, for almost 14 years. He's always like, I have no idea who's going to show up. And it's actually amazing. Like, it's fun. I used to fight it. But now, you know, yeah. Yeah. I love that you're saying that even just from knowing me in the ways that you do and um, seeing me through the lens that you have. I, yeah, I really, yeah, I'm still learning to love that about myself. You know, there's a lot of internal harshness that has come up and still comes up around being like, why can't you just be more fucking simple? Like, why can't, you know, there's a lot of that in in me that has wishes that, you know, I wasn't so complex and so uh, multi-layered and so containing so many multitudes right it's like whoa how do i do this how does this work in my life especially like i'm not you know like a single 25 year old like coach (laughs) 
huge. You know, like as I, I said, she's a mom. She's got four children. Four. <laughs> yeah, like I've been doing this all through like divorce and like you know barely making rent, like being in the like poverty lines of single mom, and like I've been in a lot of different scenarios in my life, and here I am in my my so called midlife with a 22-year-old daughter who just graduated college and a little one who's eight who still kind of feels like my baby, but she's totally not, you know, like I've come out of that. And like, I've just, I have, I've reincarnated so many times, but I've also, I love that you brought up, Amber, specifically the aspect of like feeling like I've done it um, unapologetically and and um, without fear because it's so not true. <laughs> Um, at all, like so much fear. I still have to work with fear every fucking day. Sometimes less, sometimes a lot less. I'm like, hell yeah, that's not really here. Great. <laughs> I'm going to do as much as I can. I'm going to say that thing. I need to say, well, that's not here. Right. Like I've learned to take, um, presence myself to the opportunities when that is not so gripping when that is not strangling me from the inside out, when that is not shutting off my sphincter muscles, you know, <laughs> like when my ass is not tight because I'm so scared and disconnected from my root, right? Like when our, literally when our sphincter muscles close, we have this like same tight ass, right? So it's totally real. Yeah. Totally real. Like I can, I was like washing dishes the other night and I'm like, here I am totally like squeezing my ass as tight as I can while I while I'm fucking washing dishes you know right but you're aware of that because you're actually in touch with your physical being and so many people are totally and it's a lot to be in touch with your physicality because then you realize I see at least the body the physical body as I mean of course it's more than this but as a representation of the unconscious and so when I tune into what's actually happening in my body, I'm like, okay, at a deeper level, there's stuff going on there, right? Like here I'm washing dishes with not a care in the world aside from getting food off my dishes and I'm clenching my whole body. And so then I can ask myself, like, first of all, like, what's, what's, what's up? You know, like, what's going on? Um, if I have the spaciousness for that, if I have the capacity for that at that time, you know, I can notice those things. And when that's happening, if you think about it energetically, um, I'm, I'm actually literally cutting off the energetics of like where if we had an anchor that dropped down from our, our tailbone, per se, down to the ground, I'm, I'm literally severing that. Mm-hmm. And so if I can open in whatever ways, not by force, but actually by invitation or what have you, or I can like move the energy that's being um, held there. Or I can be really lovingly tending to that fear that shows up like that. So the fear in my body, which is often moving through me. <laughs> often. Listeners, please don't believe the hype that people are fearless. <laughs> it might just be disassociation. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> And I'm, and for some people, great, like awesome. If you don't feel fear and that's real and you've done, you know, you've really tuned in, but you know, my, I grew up with a lot of fear in the field and, um, it was definitely a part of my life of like, there was a lot of things to be scared of in general. 
um, there was a deep message of that that I got. Um, and I think that that's consistently been actually what has been a guide for me to really um, unravel and uncouple some of the things that I have associated with what is actually something to be scared of and what is not and still honoring even if it doesn't feel like I should be afraid but I still am still like learning how to be tender with that part of myself those parts even when I'm like I shouldn't be afraid of this this is silly why am I scared to do xyz but when it's coming up in me and I'm like able to identify that I'm really afraid then it's so much better than fighting it or trying to bypass it because it's not it's not helping me at all to deny that that's here mm-hmm. it's and so in my experience it's like not denying i mean my instagram is my business spells of truth right so it's like mm-hmm. this orientation towards truth which is um again it's not an easy path a lot of the times to actually orient towards truth and this is the kind of truth it's not just i think when people hear that stuff on the surface it it feels very like you know the truth i mean like there's a million truths it's your like what's what's going on in the truth of your body right now what's going on in the truth of what um you're afraid of what you want what you know i work with desire a lot with folks and it, it can be completely debilitating to eat for some bodies to even to even approach desire at all to give to just like say that yeah what like just air it like to let it come through to let there be a an expression even if it's just in like a journal you know um so that's that's some of the stuff for me where i just wanted to yeah i think it's it's important for me in the realm of sharing more of myself and my particular path that that it's not colored with this sort of fearlessness because it's not it's not true for me it's really not mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of working with and through that and respecting and honoring that and also really fine tuning my ability to um you know do things and the when the fear is still there like it's not like the you know the the kind of like okay well when i'm not afraid i will a lot of times i'm doing the bold things when I am still scared, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not mm-hmm. waiting necessarily also for when I'm not, there are certain things that I trust myself enough and have the skills to now navigate much more um, gracefully, not always, <laughs> but more gracefully to do that in a way where it's like, I can be like, okay, both is true here. Paradoxically, I am scared but I'm able to unclench my, um, you know, tight hips and all of that. And so that I can open my mouth and express this, or I can, you know, I can, I can often, I always make a joke that like, I'm the first one on the dance floor kind of person. You know, I think that that's that edge you're talking about that you see in me. I'm just like, you know, I was the kid in junior high. That's like, we're at, you know, the, the party at my house or a friend's house or whatever. And all the kids get together. And I'm like, sitting there for an hour waiting for spinning the bottle to start right it's just like come on like we've been eating like <laughs> chips so for, believe that right like we've been eating chips and drinking soda for like an hour we're all we all know what we're here for but nobody's saying it so i'm the kid who's like 
let's go ahead and place them in the bottle. Let's just do the thing, people. Let's just do the thing. And that's not because I wasn't the scared kid. Everybody's afraid. I was afraid too. I was just like, this is actually more hard for me to fit in my body with nobody saying what we actually want. So I'm going to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because for me, because I'm so like, I can feel the energy energies of things so much. It becomes where I'm like, okay. Okay. Somebody, somebody needs to direct the energy and move it. And so that has been a role that I've been largely victimized by for a long time of being like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be, you know, Mm-hmm. And um, and of course, in in intimate relationships, I don't always want to be that person. Like, I want to make sure that I'm in balance with that, like, delicious, you know, um, shared experience of that in relationship of that leading and penetrating and the things, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but I've also really had to and continue to work with sometimes the the victimization that will come up with being that having having to quote unquote be that person, right? Mm-hmm. And so, really mm-hmm. accepting that as a part of my um my gift per se you know like the genius of my being is that like i will be that person and i will bring that in and i somehow like to use humor to do that some you know often like to lighten the energy as well i think that that um i kind of have this (laughs) i mean it's not totally serious but like i don't know if i fully trust a teacher that doesn't have humor you know like somebody that's guiding and facilitating right yeah yeah doesn't have to be that serious Yeah. Yeah. And just, uh, you know, really adding that in. So that imagery of me as a child at the party, you know, saying like, let's face in the bottle, like, that's so it. It's like, I really want to connect to people. I've always been a community weaker of sorts. And I've often been in places where I'm part of like, very different subcultures or groups. They're very, that's that like 20 different parts of me that you were naming earlier, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, cool. I like, I like this too. And I feel good here and this feels good. And just, I think that that's such a, a larger metaphor aside from just my personal story, right? Like me being a microcosm of what I feel like we need in the macrocosm is our ability to do that and to do that in a way where it's like we can feel like quote unquote we don't belong in these certain things but actually there's a piece of us that that really does belong in that if we let ourselves feel connected to these different um things that are different than us this is a really important way that we can weave a larger web in the larger collective culture if we're not like i'm like this mm-hmm. this is my identity these are my mm-hmm. beliefs like those things are fluid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we can let them be, these things are fluid. Mm-hmm. They have the ability to. That's a choice mm-hmm. to do that work. And I'm not saying it's easy work, but we, we can do that work so that we can expand our webs and not live in so much of what we're seeing much more clearly now out there in the collective and also in our um, tiny little microcosms of life is like, this is who I am. This is what I do. These are my people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what, you know, keeps us safe and stable and predictable and all of these things that we have come to gravitate towards as human beings because we like to feel safe. And I think there's two pieces that I would really love to highlight about what you shared. And the first piece that I want to highlight 
is the wording that you chose around fear because multiple times you said work with fear, right? And I feel like that is such an important thing because we're taught to reject fear. We're taught to resist fear. We're taught to push it away. Um, And, uh, you know, a lot of times when I'm working with my clients, I'm like, fear is your friend. Fear is here because like your body actually like loves you and is like, hey, is doing this thing a really good idea? Because like, I'm afraid of like this thing called dying. and I want to make sure that like we stay safe. And so I'm just like kind of here to be like, yo, is is this a good idea? And, you know, we're like, shut up, sit down. We don't want to hear from you. Meanwhile, you know, the really beautiful way to interact with fear is like, hey, come here, like, talk to me. Tell me what's going on for you. Actually, I totally hear you. I understand why this feels scary and might also be triggering this fight or flight of like, we could potentially die if we do this, whether it's, you know, an emotional stress or a physical stress. And I hear you. And that is a valid concern. However, we got this right. And being able to interact in a loving way that builds that self-trust, I think, is so important. And it allows us to have that relationship with our fear so that we can actually invite it in and hear from it and have that conversation instead of rejecting it. And I hear you in terms of like, yep, fear shows up for me. Fear is present all of the time. But you know what? I invite fear to come in and sit down and we have a conversation about what the hell is going on for fear in that moment so that we can work together, right? You said work with fear. Totally. Um, I love that language. And the other thing I think that is so important to highlight is the fact that there has been resistance around being like that person, right? Being the leader, being the person who's changing their identity, being the person who's going first or speaking up. I can imagine that a lot of people, you know, who are going to gravitate towards this podcast and, you know, this episode in particular are going to be people who might be coming up against that resistance of like, I know in my soul I'm a leader and like, this is actually who I am. But like, you know, people, I'm going to ruffle people's feathers or be controversial or people might not like what I'm going to say, or I could get canceled. You know, there's all these things that people come up against in terms of adopting that identity of being a leader, which to me, a big part of that is being willing to go first. So could you speak a little bit more to that? Yeah. Is there any particular threads that you feel like you want me to tug on in relationship to that ember like there's I would a, love there's to a couple hear, different ways yeah i would love yeah. to hear a little bit more about like your personal experience coming up with that narrative of like oh like i don't want to be that person or i don't want to change my title like again or like what are people going to think and how you've kind of walked yourself through that narrative when it comes up for you mm-hmm. uh yeah that's feeling the energetics of that. It's like, it's so huge. It really is. It's so big. Like this topic is, is big. And I can feel like how incredibly exciting it is to like open it up and like expose and, and, and in this moment still like I'm in that, like I'm, I'm in that continuously. I'm in it right now on the podcast with you, right? Like I'm in the next like layers in this new moment where I'm showing more of myself. There's always a new layer and you were, you had referred to like shedding skins, which is a really like 
popular kind of way of um, using a metaphor of, of change, right? And um, I very much am connected with um, the medicine of snakes and serpents and, um, you know, got this little one here mm-hmm. on my arm <laughs> that um, came, actually got that with my eldest daughter. We got tat- our snake tattoos together about like five, almost five, five years ago. It was really incredible. So for those of you wondering, but- Elisa is definitely the cool mom, just so <laughs> also had resistance to being that too <laughs> i'm like what does that mean oh god um but but i'm bringing in that that energy as i know again right now in the surge of all kinds of consciousness opening up in many different ways and forms through so many bodies and there's a lot of like a lot of reference to snakes, right? There's a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think probably for most people listening, they'd be like, oh, yeah, totally. That imagery yep. hits mm-hmm. like it feels we could talk all day long about all of the mythical uh, mythical threads of that and why it's so important and what it's connected to. But I'm not even going to go there right now. But I I think that I'm going there on on like a surface in terms of that. um that symbol has been a guide for me so much, like such an anchor. And in my continual path, the work, everything that I'm doing, the work that I'm doing comes from a deeply mythical place, comes from a deeply, deeply connected to the earth and ancestors. And I think that perhaps is something that feels really important to lead with because I am not um I can't leave that part out of my story like there's so much that I have done in the realm of with and continue to do with my dreams um there's so much crossover between sex sexuality and dreams it's like the Mm -hmm. deeper edges of what's unconscious and so those things are really big points for me and womb centered work i mean the the darkness of the womb and all that is literally in that cauldron of death and rebirth so again when you're asking me that question like how has that been for me i kind of just drop down like a couple of layers right mm-hmm. into it feels really important to to presence that and to for for folks to know too like the the devotion of that kind of work for me has been very long term yeah. and coming into contact with you know there's a lot of people who are like yeah what is you know what does it mean to do shadow work it's like my whole life is that like that's that's how i've been orienting my life it's not a way of like setting aside time to do shadow work. It's like making the connections in everyday life to make mm-hmm. sure that you're connected and weaving a relationship with your unconscious, with what's not conscious. Oh, yes. Love that. So that for me is like such a big part of my path. It's like I, I was waking up quite rapidly to like all the things that I was blind to um right before my Saturn return basically it was like pretty rapid fire 
and not pretty in any way. Very like thrown on the ground and head smashed on the bottom of the underworld. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, intense. And I, I've been apprenticing ever since. You know, it was like, okay, all right, I will, I will devote myself to really this path that that is about truth, that is about coming into contact with the intergenerational traumas that are living through my body. What are the stories that are housed in my womb? What are the stories that are housed in my blood? Like, what are they? And how do I work with them? How do I work with them? How do I tell the story in a different way through my life experience? How do I live into this in a way that it's like, this is not going to cut me off from my life force? I refuse to be cut off from my life force. Woo! Mm-hmm. Whole body chills. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm no, no, I'm not. I know there's more. I know there's more. And I'm willing to keep open, opening that veil and saying, like, I'm here. I'm here. And I'm also willing to do it in a way that really allows me to be so very human. Because if that piece gets lost, which I think it does often get lost along the way, and that's okay too. We can return, but sometimes people don't return from that. Sometimes that return doesn't happen and the humanness gets lost and the spiritual path keeps going per se, but there's no human anchor Mm -hmm. to it anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I've worked with a lot of shamanic practitioners. I work with people in very, very deep places who are extremely connected to the other world and extremely connected to the energetics of consciousness and also really can use some support anchoring into the fleshy human body experience. And not that those things are at opposite. I'm not trying to name them as that opposition to one another. It's how they weave together. It's how they come together. It's how we can actually, through being so very human, bring those gifts through from the other world. Mm. We don't need to deny or, or push away any of the things or choose one or the other. And so that feels really important too to name, you know? And so then I'm, I'm maybe working with some folks who are on kind of the other end of the spectrum or coming more from like a very like human-centric, logic-based, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, what's your relationship, you know, to this and that, to the other world, to your dreams, to your... So bringing in some more of the metaphorical, mythical connections, and we might be a little bit more poetic and start opening up those things, right? So I can kind of work mm-hmm. from different angles with folks because of traveling those different di- dimensions of um, the human experience of being a, a very soulful being in this life and noticing the fact that as I go through <clears throat> my own processes of um, thresholds and of change and transformation, that that serpentine energy of like constant change and new skin, I am humbled to the core all the time with mm-hmm. the, the rawness that I feel. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, baby skin, you know, baby, baby skin walking into this next thing. And, um, and, and how incredible that is to be able to, I never want to lose that. I want to go into my, you know, I want to be, I want to be a, a good elder. I want to be an incredible elder who can still reach those places within myself that I'm so humbled to the core because I know that I'm a baby in certain things. And I know that I want to be able to return to that place of, of not trying to pretend that I don't know, but truly being like, yeah, I don't know. This is new. You know, this is new. 
Yeah. Yeah. We, we talk a lot, you know, about like the work, right? Like that's a term that gets thrown around a lot in these spaces and listening to you speak. I'm really curious what tools you feel like you have cultivated along your journey to assist you in your willingness to continuously do the work. Because when we have high self-efficacy, right, when we believe in our Mm -hmm. own ability to do something, we're so much more willing to go forward with the things that cause us discomfort or bring us fear or they're a little bit scary because we know we're still going to feel that discomfort, but we have the tools to be able to navigate that, that discomfort and to be able to kind of move through it, move with it, get to the other side of it. So what would you say, you know, if, if people can kind of have some takeaways in terms of like, how how the heck does this person keep going and ripping off so that they're like, you know, continuously in search of baby skin, right? How <laughs> how does she do this? And like, what what tools is she rocking with that are helping her to continuously want to do this work? Because it's it's not easy. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Thank you for, yeah, just first of all, just for naming that, you know, like, I think this is part of the, um, just taking off the performative aspects of, of spirituality and personal growth, right? Like it, it, it's interesting because there is, there is a place that's, that is so true and real too, that I want to also center of like, what, the thing that keeps me going is the sensation of living a life where I'm living an incredible life Mm. where I feel incredibly inspired by what I'm living and what I'm in relation to every day. That, that shows me something around like what, why is it worth it to do all this? Right. (laughs) It's like, because because I have incredibly deep relationships. I have incredibly honest relationships. I have incredibly supportive people in my life. I have built trust that things that, with myself, that things that are coming through me, that they're not just there for no reason. Like there's, there's something there. There's something there. Like it's not just, you know, and not something there, meaning I have to make a big deal out of everything, which is kind of a, a younger self thing. Um, but the, mat- the, the maturation process of recognizing like that deepening self-trust of like, oh yeah, when I followed that before, there was like real wisdom there. I'm going to sniff that out. And you named curiosity earlier too, Amber. Mm-hmm. And I think this, the essence of curiosity is what keeps things really open. Like when I want to shut down and close off and be like, am I done yet? Can I just like, there, can I be there, like a, is there a retire button? <laughs> you know, is there and, a finish line? Anyone? Yeah, anyone? Yeah. And what? <laughs> and, and so with that, you know, um, developing that yeah that I the knowingness also in in some ways it's funny I'm already laughing at myself before this is coming out (laughs) um of like recognizing 
that I do have some choice over pacing of things. And this is a mm-hmm. lot of what I work with folks on too, is like mm-hmm. pacing is, is really important, right? Like how, and if I'm starting to get overwhelmed with my pushing my own edges, then chill, like no finish line. It's not a rush. But if my body is showing me, I can't contain all of this that needs to be expressed. And sometimes for me, that shows up in pain. I've mm-hmm. like had a lot of different um, kind of chronic pain things throughout the years. And I've noticed that if I'm not expressing, and that could be a myriad of ways, if I'm not speaking things, for me, very specifically, so much of my work is vocalization with folks yeah. and working on okay. communication from a deep place of being curious about that and what feels most um, resonant for folks to be able to, we basically can practice some of that stuff together. Some of the things that may be simple for some people and really hard for others to put words to how they're feeling. I mean, that's a huge gap for most humans, right? It's like big gap, what I'm feeling and then how I communicate or what that actually leads me to needing to express, right? So that piece, like for me, it's like a big part of my path has been learning how to express, like really opening that channel to trust what I need to speak, Mm -hmm. to trust what needs to come through me. Mm -hmm. You know, and this is very general, but I'm just kind of talking about some things as far as like self-expression, right? Like it's so big. And for me, it has been foundational, foundational to crafting relationships in the way where I'm actually seen, right? Like if I'm not, how, how can we be seen if we're not actually sharing who we are, what we want, what we're feeling? Not going to happen, right? It's not going to happen. So that for me has been big. That's been really monumental and continues to be, continues to. I continue to like refine that and learn about when to speak and when not and to whom. Um, Having and building a support system of community. Um, You know, a big archetype of mine is like solo cave witch. Like I like very much am like know many of lifetimes of being like, you know, the medicine woman in the woods. And it's sort of a cosmic joke because it's kind of like this lifetime, like, yeah, right. And <laughs> also at the same time, that's, that's, um, that's been a big thing for me to work with of like, mm-hmm. okay, in this individualistic society and also how safe it can feel to do it all alone. How do I really get to that next level of vulnerability of really asking for support, really being like, hey, I'm fucked up. Can you hold this? Do you have the capacity to hold me? You know, like building that in relationships has taken me a long time. You know, I've, I've always been good at building community, but then those levels of depth come in time, right? And there's no shortcut to intimacy. There's no shortcut. Got to get into the, all of the ugly stuff to build intimacy, you know? And so I really love when I, you know, like new age cultures, just like, oh my God, I found my 
one and it's like so cool that's great and like we got to like be so in the building of the intimacy and there can still be energetically for sure i feel those strong things with people i'm just like whoa i know you kind of thing we have those experiences right like and the day-to-day stuff of building intimacy takes us at least in my experience my experience the only thing i can talk from in my experience and in working with clients for as long as i have it takes time and devotion and again and again, okay, here's the next. Have you seen this part? Did you know I have this bee right here? You know, like, did you know that there's honey and there's stings all in my heart? You know, have you seen that? Have I shown you that? So building relationships, like building those, which has to do with the first one I named with like communicating, speaking, mm-hmm. right? Building those relationships, building the community, not being alone. You know, I, there's so much shame that comes up that I've met with and that I continue to meet with different spirals of that with coming into being, you know, coming out of being in, you know, whatever our metaphorical sort of um, cave or, or womb that we're cozy in that we'd like to stay in for safety. Or our car. Or, or the car, right? <laughs> And we can still have a deep relationship with that. It's not about the binary of getting rid of that. It's not about like, don't do that. That's bad. Don't do it alone. Like, no, that's, yeah, I still need that. I love that. I I love, you know, being on my cycle and bleeding and being alone and, you know, having time to myself. It's essential. People who know themselves alone are, you know, like mm-hmm. to really know yourself alone is essential. So that maybe that's another pillar here that we can add in is like that piece of like getting getting more comfortable with being alone with yourself because i i feel like a lot of um a lot of deep love for being alone with myself like i really love that and knowing that i'm never really alone like being in nature is like just you know like there's always connection there's always beings there's always energies around and with us um but the building of relationships so not on the binary of like alone or with community like the bothness like building the relationship of intimacy both right so then building community and i think for some folks that means you know community can mean a lot of different things i mean community can mean two really good friends who you can really show stuff to right like that's great build that Um, i remember listening to a podcast a long 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 time ago and i wish that i could say who who kind of plugged this in but that's not here right now but essentially they were asking like can you list five people who are like your go-to who you really know are going to be there for you and that you would be there for them mm-hmm. like can you list five people and it's okay if you can't and it's great if you can and it's also just an orientation towards recognizing like when we when we don't have that how do we start building that how do we invite people in to see us how do we actually community is built through having needs mm-hmm. yep yep yeah we are communal beings and and i think even just being open to knowing that in our society this is not really something that we are taught very few of us are taught this type of intimacy. It doesn't exist in our nuclear families. It doesn't exist in our society. It doesn't exist in our workplaces. We are taught to 
shut down, to not be vulnerable, to not express needs, to not ask for things. If someone says, how are you? You're like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm good. How are you? Right? Like that's just a default response. It's weird if somebody actually were to respond to that question openly and honestly, right? That should, that like, why would, oh my gosh, why would you do that? Um, and I think one of the really powerful pieces that I love, you know, referring to you for is the fact that essentially as an intimacy midwife, this is where you can come in and you can help people learn how to have this type of intimacy with themselves and relationally with others, even with their environment, right? Like people don't even know how to get like intimate with nature. And we're not talking about like humping a tree or anything like that, but really like being- If you want though, could If you want, you know, whatever. Make sure you get consent from the tree first, obviously. But- truly like being able to be intimate with nature, like receiving it with all of your senses, having all of your senses open. That is something a lot of people are going to be listening to this episode being like, okay, Amber and Elise have totally gone off the deep end. Like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. But truly, if there's even a piece of you that's like, you know what? Actually sounds fucking fantastic. How the hell do I do that? Well, that is exactly what Elisa is here for. And is able to help with. And I feel like we all can turn ourselves on in different ways. And some people, their healing is going to come through their spirit. Some people, it's going to come through the mind. Some people, it's going to come through the body. Some people, you're going to start somewhere, end up somewhere else and circle back around. And then eventually you'll get all everything like online. But everyone needs to have different access points. I am not a somatic practitioner. I am not somebody who felt called to have the healing and the work that I do be centered around the physical body. That's not my area of expertise. And that's where I love being able to know that there are practitioners like Elisa out there who that is like your language. That is the way that you help people to get in touch with themselves and be able to even identify what is my body feeling right now? What are my needs? What is What information is actually coming from this big giant thing that my soul is inhabiting that's trying to help me navigate this whole 3D experience? And like, how do I filter that so that I can show up better for myself and for the lived experience that I desire? And that is where like, uh, like I think that like, I, like, I think you are so juicy, Elisa. The work that you do is so <laughs> juicy. Like, Aww. I just love talking to you. And so, you know, before I let you go today, can you speak a little bit to the people who might be hearing your voice and are feeling a little tug towards like, "Mm, maybe like uh, I could work with this person or maybe there's something there. How would you want them to connect with you? What are the ways that you work with people? Let them know if they want more where they can get it. Thank you. And thank you for this sweetness of like all the things that you just said. I really appreciate hearing all those things and taking them all in and yeah, like receiving them straight to the heart, Amber. So thank you for that. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, I love the, the, the just deepening of support for, for one another and like all the things that have separated us, especially as like, um, you know, female identifying folk, like it's just, it's just continually healing, right. To like, really mm-hmm. really support each other in these ways and cross-pollinate and um so thank you for that and um yeah and with working together i am um pretty continuously and ritually opening up my books for one-on-one sessions which 
Um, I work with people short-term. I work with people long-term, you know, depending upon your level of um, availability and, and also commitment. Um, so those things um, open up pretty regularly. Every couple of months, usually I'm, I'm taking in new one-on-one clients. And then now I'm also um, working with dyads, so partnerships and sorts, and also small business owners that are wanting to work like dyad business owners that are wanting to work more on the deepening of communication oh, skills. And I love that. Yeah. And some of the things that show up that they don't want to necessarily go the like ultra businessy approach, but they really want to get into the like the depth of what's going on underneath the surface and how they can really help to um, to create a culture that is, you know, they are at the foundation, right? So like when we've got like a small business kind of thing, we really want to look at how that is um you know, creating the, the amoeba-like structure of of the mm-hmm. business. So that's talk been about fun. intimacy, man. Doesn't get more intimate than like working together, really. Exactly. So that's a fun area that I'm really excited to work with more folks. And so that's something that you can um, connect with me about and inquire. Um, I also do intro sessions with people if they're, you know, if they're on the edge and just really wanting to to feel in if it's a good fit. So there's that. So um, so yeah, one on ones, dyad. Um, and then I do small group offerings from time to time. So you just can kind of keep a lookout. There's not like a regular um, rolling out of that. But I am right now, um, I am facilitating a four-month journey for a small group called Honey Doorways, which is a really fun and deep container, of course. And we're going into all realms of dreaming into desire, um, increasing our capacity for pleasure and like really having some um, great exercises with that and going again, just as whatever pace each person needs. Um, we go into grief and somatic grief work, um, which essentially is always a piece when you're going deeper into your joy and deeper into sensation that's going to come up. So there's a piece there and then, um, relational agreements. So consensual relational agreements, how to make them, what are they, um, why do we need them and like really to get in touch with that because that's a really exciting piece for me specifically is that part I think that's where a lot of my strength is 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 in that realm of helping people to craft um, relational agreements and noticing the things that um, perhaps they didn't know they were in agreement to because they were unconscious so Mm -hmm. making them conscious making those things conscious makes life much more smooth and much more enjoyable Mm-hmm. Um, so you can reach out to me on my website, spellsoftruth.com, which I'm sure Amber will put in. And then Instagram's yep. a great place to see where I like muse on some things there and share some tidbits. So spells of truth there. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I will absolutely be linking everything in the show notes for all of you so that you can follow along, check out Elisa's website. You know, if you end up being like, you know, on the, the island, like you could maybe see if, you know, she's down to meet up. Um, I know that after listening to just how healing the ocean is, I'm like, okay, so I need to like <laughs> dance more and I want to move somewhere where I can like bathe in the ocean. Long. <laughs> so if you get no other takeaways from this episode, I don't blame you if those are the only two things, cause that's definitely something I am adding to my personal checklist. But with all of that, Elisa, thank you so, so much for taking the time and the energy and the intention to drop in and just have this really nourishing conversation today and being, as always, so open and so honest and so truthful. I know that you don't know how to be any other way, even <laughs> if it's scary. Um, and I really encourage all of you to reach out to Elisa and at the very least follow along and see all of the beautiful things that she actually posts on her 
Instagram because it's it's not a salesy Instagram. It is raw. It is beautiful. It is poetic. It is like a little piece of art um, is how I kind of view when you share things. It's very mm. intentional. So I do appreciate that and you being very curated with your audience and your energy. So thank you. Mm, thanks, Amber. This is so fun. I'm so, so stoked to get to play with you. And um, yeah, excited for what's next. All right. Sounds good. We'll talk to you next time. Okay. Bye. There you have it. Another episode of the Sacred Leadership Podcast on the books. I hope your time spent here served you and nourished you. Join us every Tuesday for more honest conversations and powerful insights. Remember, exceptional leaders share the wealth. Send this episode to someone who would benefit, leave a review to let others know about the show, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Talk to you soon.